Hi, and welcome to another episode of the New Futurist Podcast, the show that gives you practical tips and insights on how the world is changing, and more importantly, uh, what you can do to take an active role in creating the kind of future that you want to see. I'm Jared Nichols. I am the host of this show, and today's episode is uh, a little special episode. And I say a little special episode. It's uh, I was I had the privilege of being a guest on a number of shows over the past couple of years, and really started going back and reviewing some of these, and just uh, brought back memories of some of the amazing conversations I've been able to be a part of. And so I wanted to to share them with you. And this is one that uh, this is one of the shows that. I did with Eric Kazimoff. He's the president and CEO of Kaz Source Inc. and CM. They're a content marketing company based here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Eric is a good friend of mine. And uh, if you've listened to any of my other uh, episodes like this where I was uh, in conversation with Eric, I think one of the three shows we did, only one of those was actually scheduled. The other two were just because I was there and we had a crazy idea to pull out the mics and, uh, and go ahead and record something. So Eric is the, uh, he's also the host of this podcast called entrepreneur perspectives. And that is where this audio is taken from. And I'll leave links and contact info if you want to reach out to Eric. But this episode is a little different in that, um, we're not really talking so much about the future and the way that most people think about the future, long-term trends, issues, drivers, and so on. But really talking about day-to-day activities of connecting with more people. Uh, We are talking about the use of social media, content, marketing. Uh, These are things that, of course, Eric's business, this is what they do. And this has been a big part of my business as well when it comes to actually getting the word out. And uh, this is maybe how you found this podcast. So uh, without further ado, we'll go ahead and jump into the show. But first things first, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, I encourage you to take two seconds Hit that subscribe button so that you can stay up to date on the latest shows uh, and also connect with us to let us know what you think. And if there's topics, ideas, things that you want to hear more about, I want to hear that from you. Okay, so make sure you do that and uh, enjoy the show. So Jared Nichols, the new futurist is here, uh, not to be confused with the old futurist, right? That's right. <laughs> and uh, we we'll talk about some different topics that are on top of minds right now. So Jared, what's going on, first of all, in your world? I know you've been quite busy, so give us a little glimpse as to what you've been working on. Uh, well, Eric, it's good to be back on the show, man. I'm really aiming to be your only guest at some point. <laughs> well, so. I think it goes to the point of like, we should have our own show, maybe. Maybe we should. Because, yeah, okay. Anyway, what are you up to? Oh, man, well... I uh, just finished up uh, the Foresight Academy, that program that uh, we talked about last time that I was in the middle of, I think, starting. I can't remember the exact, but I've uh, been working on that. I've got a, a mastermind group of folks in there right now, which is great, and uh, teaching people how to think like futurists. So, of course, that kept me in the way I've explained to folks is I've uh, been living in a cave. And so I've emerged from the cave and getting back in touch with other human beings, it's a, it's a really nice feeling. So That's good. Yeah. And in the new futurist, the idea behind the new futurist I like because you're trying to get people to think like a futurist, not tell people how to behave in the way they're working, right? Correct. And it's hard because disruption is, disruption a lot of people confuse with, it's only disruption with technology and robots are going to take over and no doubt, right? That's part of disruption. Possibly. But there's disruption in business in so many different ways. Someone can get sick. I just talked to a, a guest on our podcast, Nikki Craig, and she was in business and her father got sick, her mom got sick, a grandparent got sick, and that took her out of her business. So there's so many layers of, of disruption out there 
And what, I mean, there's so many different ways maybe to protect, and we talk about building and protecting businesses, there's so many ways to protect against those unforeseen circumstances that could come up. It could be anything, like I could get a call and I gotta go rush down the street to do something good or bad, right? We don't know what that is, but it's all little disruptions, mini, you know, or, or, or larger disruptions. What are some of the ways like people can think about and prepare, not to like predict what's gonna happen, but to prepare themselves for the potential of the things that are gonna happen. You just don't know what they are. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question because the, the typical answer, especially from futurists or people that deal in this, um, is gonna be, um, well, kind of off the shelf. Like, well, you need to make sure that your business is ready for automation and, you know, the, the typical things that you hear over and over again. And, and uh, you know, for example, um, uh, and uh, it just coming up here, coming up the elevator, I, I was looking at the, you know, the, the list of businesses that are in the building here. And of course, there's, you know, a, a tax accounting firm downstairs, and it just immediately made me think about how uh, Bill Gates, you know, I think this was back in 2010, I could get the date wrong, had said, you know, these are the top 20 uh, industries that are going to be disrupted by technology in the next, you know, by the year 2020, this, so in the next 10 years. Well, accounting was at the very top of it. But, uh, you know, that, uh, we could easily sit there and say, yeah, that's, that's probably going to happen because you're dealing with numbers. But even the accounting world is so complex, right? Certain elements of that certainly can be disrupted by automation. But when you look at the new uh, tax bill that came out, we had this at the NSBA uh, when we were in D.C. <laughs> One of the, we have a couple lawyers on, or uh, tax uh, accountants and lawyers on the, uh, on the board. And one of them was telling a joke about how they walked in to their office. They've got you know, several employees there, and they said, guys, we've got great news. You have job security. You dropped the 560-some-odd page uh, bill down on the table, so you guys aren't going anywhere. And that's the reality of it, is that if we assume that certain trends or patterns are going to continue uninterrupted, well, then we make the big mistake. And that is to say, well, this is definitely going to happen. And uh, for folks you know, recognizing, first and foremost, uh, that so much of this is tied up in the types of stories that we tell ourselves. And so I think for folks, the way they need to start thinking about this is not to say, well, I need to start thinking about automation or robotics or any of that. Where people really need to start is by uh, recognizing the stories or the narratives that are informing our decisions. Now, I know this doesn't sound very futuristic, right? But this is really, we have to get to the core of this, and that is recognizing what are the dominant narratives about how the world works? What are the big stories that we are believing, many of them unconsciously believing, that we just never question? Because once we start to pull that back and understand how you know, these paradigms or these stories are written or built and who they influence, then we can learn to identify where real opportunity or potential disruption may come. We can learn how to build in uh, questions about future possibilities that are outside of that narrative. And that's where the real opportunities are. That's where you know, getting ahead of the curve really is. It's not betting on the status quo. Yeah, and you're looking at, you mentioned CPAs, right? And that's a, that's a common one, right? People talk about, well, that's the, that's the business that's going to get disrupted. But, and, and one of the other things you're saying is, I think CPAs, attorneys, insurance agents, some of these older industries could actually create new categories from themselves within their old, quote unquote, old school industry, right? Because you can become the CPA 
that goes about it a different way. What is that way? I don't know. There's a lot of different things that you can do and appeal to a different audience, maybe appeal to a younger audience uh, of, you know, is that in recognizing that that's a possibility and recognizing the stories you can create around that to then create awareness so then people would actually pay attention to you as opposed to, oh, you're just like a CPA that's just going to talk about numbers all day. I, I can't listen to that because it's boring, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of knowledge that they have that most people don't have because it is so complex. And every day there's a new article that comes out. Did you know this is a tax break? Did you know you could use this in your taxes? And people are like, I had no idea, yeah. right? And it's just confusing. So maybe what you're saying is like, find the way to create that new category within some of these older industries. We've seen that in the insurance business, which is you know very archaic in many ways they do things. Advertising, which we're doing a podcast right now. I mean, right. 30 years ago, people in advertising, they just thought you just put a product in front of someone who's well-known, put it on TV and you sell something. Now no one's watching that stuff, yeah. right? They're listening to a podcast and what do they do and then that's the truest form of content marketing just giving it away be like oh i like this jared guy he's interesting what is he all about then you go and over time you learn about him and then you want to work with him or buy his product right so yeah yeah absolutely i mean the the big thing and i'm pretty sure we talked about this in the last uh, the last time uh, that i was was here with you but i we spend a lot of time trying to figure out the technical, the technical aspects of our business, which, which is important, right? <clears throat> I've spent a lot of time looking at how to automate certain processes that uh, make my job easier, but also ensure that I don't let certain things fall through the cracks. All, you know, during that entire process, though, the one thing I've been keeping in the front of my mind is how do I make sure this doesn't replace the actual human connection? So when we talk about differentiating our businesses, and we talk about disruption and everything else, the one thing that can't really be disrupted, and I know I'm walking up to anytime you say can't, never, always, you know, you're running into a problem, but what I certainly believe is that as long as we are human beings, the one area that can't be disrupted is that human contact, that genuine human connection. And we see so much energy and uh, marketing and everything else moving away from that direct human real human person to person, no fluff, let's just connect and have a conversation, that that in and of itself has become a differentiator, which is so weird, right? And professional services, CPAs, insurance agents, uh, attorneys, that's really where their, their real value is. You know, Yes, if, you know, if your process can be automated, well then you should automate it. But your ability to connect with other human beings, that can't be automated, not yet, right? That's it. So. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the word passive, I wrote this down because the word passive is thrown around so much. Mm -hmm. Once you create something that's passive, you never have to talk to anybody and you go to a beach. But no, yeah. yeah. And you, I mean, perhaps you can create a product and it can sell. But I think like you still have to have that human interaction, that human connection, the soft skills, the selling skills. I mean, there might be more important than ever before because there's so much out there. So how are you going to cut through that noise and, and create that? Right? Well, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think that's that whole kind that's a great point, right? We, we do have this, there's a lot of myths, stories, right? Again, our world is dominated by stories, narratives. How are we spinning this? How are we creating and crafting this uh, with a specific agenda or, a, you know, an idea of trying to get you to buy something, um, which is fine, by the way. And let me just throw that off to the side here. This idea that we should be offended because people are trying to sell stuff to us is ridiculous. Human beings want to be sold. We just want to be sold in a genuine way, right? I mean, if we didn't, then there would be no such thing as an economy or commerce or anything. We want to buy things. We do. So, uh, you know, we're, we're going back to your other question there, the point you were making is that um, uh, 
and, and now all of a sudden I've, I've thrown myself off here. What was your question? What was my question? It doesn't matter. I'm more passive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you're writing down. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Passive. Yes, passive. This idea of passive income of you can build it once and never have to touch it again. That's fine if it doesn't involve human beings. But this is a big area, a big story that we have to, to recognize, and that is, is that uh, the way we are incentivized is for short-term gains. So sure, if you want to create something and you buy into this myth that like I can create something and never have to touch it again, it's going to make me money forever. Well, that's just a lie. You know, the, what's going to grow your business and give it longevity is that you have to take a perspective of how can I always be nurturing and taking care of people in my community? How can I build something that people, uh, you know, cut through all the other noise because they want to get back to this, this thing that they're a part of that maybe you've created, right? That's where the real value is. So this idea of passive, sure, you can have passive things that generate income, but don't build an entire business around creating passive income where you don't have to be actively involved because people will get bored with it very quickly. Well, and it's like that CPA, right? If that CPA can set up an automated system and you don't, they don't really need that CPA to do it, that would be the passive side of it. Where on the other side, I need to call my CPA. I need to have a conversation with yeah. them. I need to understand it and talk through things. And there's questions that will derive from the original question that I asked. And then we go off on some other tangent and you learn a lot in that way. And I think that's it too, because it's amazing when you do start talking to people, and this is nothing novel, right? That you just pick up things. When you have a conversation like we're having now, and I learned when you came here, you took the elevator and not the stairs. But is the that a true time, story? The first time is that a true stairs. But the second time was the elevator. Well, yeah. Why the second time? Oh, because you went downstairs to get gum. That's right, that because was I was drinking coffee. But that I would be the opportunity to run down the stairs, run back up the stairs, get your heart rate, right? That whole thing? Well, no. You know, yeah, right. You know, but I look at that. We believe say, in fitness here, Jerry. Yeah, I, yeah. I believe in fitness as well, and I have other means of getting my, my okay. fitness. So, you know. Bike riding. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Are you uh, competing? Are you just tell us about your uh, bike riding skills? Oh man, you know, I, I, <laughs> I I I used to race before children, and now I really don't. I race virtually, but yeah. know, that's nothing I brag about. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't get on like, oh yeah, post on Facebook that I won this race in Swift, which I which I didn't win a race in Swift. But so. you tried. But but here's yeah, this though. Right. So you, I assume you communicate with other people that enjoy riding. Yeah. And then yeah. you have a connection with those people, right? And we talk about that a lot yeah. in our businesses. Like, talk to a client in California. What are you into? I love coffee. I love everything about coffee. I like going to coffee shops, I like ordering coffee, yeah. I like the coffee cups that I get. I like sitting down in my favorite chair with, with a book and the sunlight coming through. And I love just everything about it, like that's what you write about. Yeah. Because there's other people out there that like that too. And oh, by the way, she's an educational psychologist that helps not only kids but adults deal with dis learning disabilities. And you know, from you know, minor considered minor disabilities to people that have major disabilities when it comes to that. And and the coffee becomes that thing that they can talk about openly and have a free discussion and be like, I really like this person. I trust this person. I want to talk to him more. No different than you could talk about riding your bike. And I'm assuming you have clients and people you've dealt with a lot that have ridden bikes because people are coming to us like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I need to tell a story. What story do I tell? Because that's hard to do, right? I've had a, I had a hard time at the beginning putting yourself out there. Yeah. You, right? Any, I think most people would have like that first few times or few first many times that they're like how do I even tell the story and what do I even talk about and who's gonna care when I put it out there well, it, absolutely and that's because we've we've for lack of a better word have um, been focused on this uh, this 
almost factory floor way of creating um, not just content, but you know, what I'm trying to say is that you know we say you need to tell a good story. Well, a story is genuine, something that connects you to other people. I mean, that's how we've learned about our history, that we, we are storytellers by nature, we are vicarious creatures. But the minute you say, you need to tell a good, compelling story, so all of a sudden I step out of the human role and go, I need to manufacture a story because that story is what's going to get people to buy or like me. And that's the problem that we face. You know, if you're going to tell a story, then tell a real story regardless of whether you know people are going to like you or not. That's the hardest thing. Mm -hmm. I struggle with that. I'm sure you struggle with that. Well, you use yeah. a good word. You said manufacture. And it never... Um, manufacture, like, it's, it doesn't come through. You used the word before, and I love it. Genuine. No. And we can use those big words, and I've said this before. You can't... I had a podcast recently, interview, and um, she was caring. And, and we can say that we care, but mm -hmm. do you actually care? Yeah. Do you give a care, right? All that kind of stuff. Are, are you just manufacturing something so that someone will like you? That's right. We talk to our kids about that. Don't just be yourself. Yeah. And that's kind of what I think you're saying. Don't manufacture it. Put yourself out there. Be yourself. And what's cool is people will take to that. Yeah. And the people that don't take to that, chances are that wasn't going to work out anyway. And those are like not the type of, if they're if you're in that client type of business, those aren't the clients that you're going to want. You're absolutely right. You know, and, I, and I'll just say, you know, full disclosure, I mean, I'm guilty of that. I, you know, we, you can go back. We all do. Well, Absolutely. Yeah, we all have. And we have, to, we have to first be honest with ourselves, right? And say, yeah, man, I, there are times I go back and look at videos I've shot or things I've written. I'm like, I'm full of Yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah. You know, that, that was a big part of me coming to this, this breakthrough with the new futurist was really getting clear on who it is that I serve. Why it is that I'm doing this? And the things that just don't belong, right? Like, if you're serious about making an impact, you know, again, that's another thing that, you know, has almost become manufactured. Well, I want to make an impact. Well, sure, I'm supposed to say that. I mean, that's why the jokes at a Silicon Valley are always like, ooh, would it change the world? Well, in the beginning, that was a noble belief and idea. But now it's almost become a mainstay. Well, you've got to say that. We've got to change the world. But when you become the big, powerful, dominant you know, status quo, you don't want to change the world. You want the world to stay the way it is because that benefits you. And that's normal human behavior. Uh, so I, I'm not, you know. Well, it's admitting it's admitting defeat, right? Sometimes right. we talk to our kids, and you know, we talk about sports entrepreneur all the time, and and we talk about like when you lose, you sometimes you just lost. Yeah. You know, yeah, you can learn lessons, and I we have this one article out there. It's like, well, we don't lose, we just learn, and to a point, yes. Yeah. But to another point, no, you actually lost the game. Yeah. And to another point, you you made a mistake or you did think, but that's the way it's supposed to be, right? You're supposed to lose like Starbucks has their terrible thing going on right now. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like expecting the CEO to defend it. And he's like, I screwed up. He didn't blame anybody but himself. He's yeah. like, it's, it starts at the top because he's the one in control of the, the training and the HR department, all this. And like, there's unacceptable. They made a mistake, but it's the leadership that made the mistake. Right. So sometimes you have to admit defeat and be like, we've all made mistakes. And you, like, right, you're saying, I made a mistake with saying that, perhaps. And it has to be better. And then that's how you learn from it. And that's how you can come across it. But you start presenting that honest story. I've seen it before. The stuff that, that is more honest, whether it's us or our clients talking about it, that's the stuff that compels people. And they want to, mm -hmm. they're like, I love that. Yeah. It's like the picture, the unfiltered picture. That's what they like. Yeah. It's not just the stuff that's so made up and so contrived. It just doesn't sell. Well, of course. I mean, that's 
you know, people, it really gets down to the raw elements of being a human being. Uh, great, you know, you really want to think about if you're going to write a story or tell a story, uh, you really have to tell it in a way, the way that I, I like to think about this is if you're going to tell a good, compelling story, you first have to, you know, ask yourself, what's my motivation here? Is my motivation in telling this story to get people to like me, to get people to buy something, you know, to get people to uh, join a movement, whatever it might be, right? What's my motivation? So if you, if you talk about, if I'm going to create a compelling story that makes a real impact in not just the world, but in my immediate circle of influence, whatever it might be, the first question you should, you should really be presenting is, how can I view this story or listen to the story on the receiving end, right? Through the eyes of the other person that's going to be there. Because, again, our detectors have gotten so good. We know it. We know what's being presented to us. Nobody's, you know, this whole outrage about Facebook, oh, oh you know, none of us want to be sold. Like, that's not true. We do, right? You know, it's, we, we almost want to be, uh, what is the word? What's the best word? Courting, you know, romanced a little bit and say, hey, look, don't just come straight out and say you want me to buy this from you. You know, spend some time with me, get to know me. I want to really get the idea that you understand my situation, that you've got something that can help me. So the core human element is looking at the way you present a story, the way you present yourself, is if your motivation is to connect with others, just say, listen, I understand where you are. I've been there before. Here's what I've done to get out of it, and I hope this helps you as well. So you get to that point. And, and, and or you don't because the, coming up with the ideas of still what to talk about it's not easy. I think we would all appreciate right. that, especially if you're in, if you're running your own business and you have all these different things going on. Which who knows what it is, but there's a lot. Yeah, there's this element of time, right? We talk about it a lot. How do you find the time? I mean, I know what we do. Like in our company on the marketing side, that's what we do, right? We come in and we fun we are the unit. We are the group that's going to take the time to do that type of stuff while yeah. you continue doing what you're good at. But in your role, when you talk to people and you try to get them to think differently about it, and they say, that's great, Jared. I don't have the time to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't have maybe the resources to do that. Or if I did, I'd have to change something around. We'd have to give up something to then do this. How do you get them thinking differently? Because maybe it's the importance of, well, you have to make that decision somehow, or you have to strategically go find someone else to work with. Like, what do you think about in your role talking to people like that? Well, I would, I would put two things there. The first is that in teaching people how to, you know, to think like a futurist, teaching people the importance of recognizing narratives and the problems with predictions and just you know, basically looking behind the curtain, uh, the first thing that I tell them is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to. I'm not here to alarm you. You have two choices. You can be passive. There's our word again, right? Mm -hmm. You can be passive and wait for somebody else to create the future and let's just hope it works out well for you. Or you can be active, but that requires work. And what I mean by that is, is that, you know, it requires you to get really honest with who you are, what you believe, what drives and forces your decisions. Uh, because when you start to unravel that, many ways, because if somebody starts to get, really get honest with themselves, they can't live with their own, their own crap. I mean, you know, that's a problem is we have lied to ourselves in so many ways, not just as individuals, but as, you know, as communities, as a country, as whatever it may be. We have created so many stories and layers of stories around ourselves that you unravel one part of that, you jeopardize your perceived peace of mind and everything else. 
But I, I, I truly believe in the conversations I've had with folks, and you see this all over the place. You, you just look at the bestseller list right now. Books that are around human consciousness or getting more in touch with your purpose and everything else, these are flying off the shelves because people are hungry for that. So the first thing I tell people is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to, but I'm not telling you it's going to be okay. Then the second part is really showing them that if you decide to be active, then you are also recognized that you have a significant amount of influence over the direction of your future. Because that's something that many people are not told. They're being told you don't have you know, influence over that. Or if you do, you still need this. And if you can't get this, well then you're not gonna have it, right? So people have to recognize that if they learn to think, really think, they themselves can start to create and take actions that are going to create a much more uh, abundant future for themselves, something that they can really truly be proud of. Too many people are feeling like they're just being tossed along the river. So that's the first thing. Uh, let them know they don't have to do anything. But then when they start to go down this road, here's the thing, Eric, I, very, I, I don't have to continuously convince them that they're doing the right thing. Right? You know, once you see the things and learn how to think a certain way, you can't unthink it, you can't unsee it. So they start to get excited because they also realize that what's going to grow their business, what's going to grow their impact, is getting more people excited about the future. And not just one of these cheesy tech companies, you know, and again, I'm not slamming tech companies, but they're great at this. I'm going to present to you a vision of the future where we're all able to create equally and it's amazing and we're just contributing to this great big brain trust and creative world. Well, yeah, if you have the money for that, if you have the bandwidth for that, the literal bandwidth, you know, if you have, you know, there's so many different things in there. But what, but what they're also saying is, so you need to use us. So what I tell people is, look, if you can start to think for yourself, get people excited about your vision for the future, be able to trace it back to what's going on in the present day, now you've got people's attention. Because the one thing that I continuously find over and over again with folks is that they're not looking for certainty, they're looking for the opportunity to participate in the discussion, uh, to participate in the creation of that future. And that is really where my work focuses. We can sit around all day and talk about artificial intelligence, designer babies, genetically modified human beings, and all the crazy, wonderful sci-fi stuff, which is fun, but we don't start there. We have to learn how to think first, and then we can put that in its proper context. So from a productivity standpoint, they can do all, start thinking these different ways, but in many ways, you almost have to cut out, and you've talked about mm -hmm. this before, you have to make decisions as to what am I not going to, not unthink, what am I not going to work on right now? What right. tasks am I not going to do? And this, you know, there's productivity blogs, podcasts, articles, books. I mean, for days. And you like right. that stuff. I like that stuff. You know, but it's it's endless. And you can change your systems around. But how do you? How do they then decide? Or is that just making those decisions as what's important, what's not important? Cut cut out the crap and mm -hmm. focus on what is now what you should be focusing on. Well, the hard part. <laughs> it's pretty simple in many ways, but it's not. The concept is simple, but it's difficult because again, it goes back to stories, right? How do we define what crap is? What's crap? Well, then we get stuck. And then our attention goes, because we have short attention spans. Mm -hmm. And we're like, that's just one more thing I've got to figure out. What's worthwhile? What's worth spending my time on? And that's, you know, so, so this is what I really want to encourage folks to do. Try something, you know, because I'm actually going to start doing this too. I, I know all kinds of productivity strategies and possibilities. But you know what I'm actually going to do is step back and first and foremost recognize I have the wherewithal to create a productivity system for myself. I've created them based on other things before, but I've got something to create for myself. And the way I'm gonna do that is just step back and say, how do I define what is time well spent, right? Like how do I define uh, worthwhile endeavors? So 
it requires you to step back and say, what are, what are the outcomes that I'm trying to really achieve? You know, uh, what are the things that are most important to me right now and why? So it does take a lot of introspection because so much of our solutions, we're looking for that quick fix of somebody else's system. Man, you know, if I do this, great, my life is going to be excellent. And we can try out a lot of those, but what's the shelf life? You know, two months, if you're lucky, three months. But if you create it, if you own it from the beginning and recognize, look, it's not that complicated. Get it down to three. And I don't know why, but three just historically has always yeah. worked. Three things. I know, of course, there's the one thing, right? But just what are maybe the top three areas of your life that are the most important? And then how do you prioritize your time? Or if you're creating content, how do you relate that you know, part of your life to the work that you're doing? So it's getting out of silos. It's getting honest with ourselves. You know, and I just challenge anybody listening, create your own productivity system that is so stupidly simple that you're, you know, that you're a fifth grader. Yeah, just, you know, but, you know, somebody in elementary school could get it and apply it. Make it that simple because that's what we need in our lives. We have way too much complication uh, and it's, it's stressing us out. It's driving us nuts. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I, and I do that a lot. I, but I've changed productivity systems and sometimes, and you get away from it. And, but yeah. you kind of have it in your head as to what your productivity system is, whether it's written down or not. It's always better to do it. But like your daily big three. Yeah. Like, what are those three things you're going to do today? Things that you enjoy doing, I think, is important. Yeah. And put those on. And you have other tasks, right? Today, as we record this, it's tax day. Like, there's nothing fun about that at yeah. all. And, and, but, but you have to get it done at the same time, right? You've got, you got to meet deadlines. you got to, especially those kind of deadlines. Um, but I, I agree with that, where you have simplicity in everything that you do. Uh, well, a, lot of time, a lot of times what we talk to clients about is putting it all out there yeah. and then taking the big giant step backwards and clearing most of that out of the way and really finding is what is that, the one thing, the three things that you should be focusing on. Yeah. What is your ultimate, what are you trying to accomplish here? Yeah. And focus on that. All these other things are very important. Don't get that wrong, but they're just going to get in your way. Yeah. And we've kind of done that too. Like just do it. And then just, then you start to do it and find the people. If you need someone to help you find and do it, then do it yeah. that way. Um, who do you see right now, whether it's people you know or don't know that are doing a good job of this. This could be people like you mentioned books before, books that you've read, mm-hmm. um, clients that you've worked with, people that you know of and th- think that you see. Like, who's doing a good job of this right now? Uh, on which scale? I know we've jumped on some. Uh, we've jumped on a lot. I'm talking about like of, of creating content, of putting content out there, of, of, you know, like I said, like it could be a book that you read. You know, who are people that you recognize in some form or fashion that are seen, that are the new futurists, mm-hmm. maybe. Let's say it that way. They aren't necessarily a futurist, but they are thinking like, I like the way they're thinking. When yeah. you read their stuff or see their stuff, you like it. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, from a, um, from a content side, there's a couple of people from a content side, and they're, they're, on different, they're in different arenas, uh, even though their audience is probably similar. But uh, probably one of my all-time favorites, because I've followed him, I think longer than anybody else I thought is Tim Ferriss. Uh, this guy's great, and um, I, you know, I learned something new from listening to Tim. In fact, when I started the Road Ahead podcast, I, uh, you know, modeled it in my mind. It's like, I, you know, if it sounds like this, and again, not trying to sound like Tim Ferriss, but just listening to the simplicity of his podcast early on, I thought I can do that, and I, and that's that's what I, uh, I think I may have even. Used if you shaved same. your beard because you have a beard now, I know he doesn't have a beard, right? Oh, but he's bald. 
and you guys would look alike. Yeah, but you know, it's all you have to understand like same, this, right? right? They all they all <laughs> yeah, both look the same, right? But in the situation <laughs> made him now, my beard's like if I shaved this face, you know, then I could live my own life. That's right? it. It's taken over. It is, so, yeah. It's taken over this room. Okay, so Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is one. And here's something I want to point out about Tim Ferriss. Uh, this I listened to uh, one of his shows recently, and I really appreciated this because this ties into another part of our conversation here. Is he was talking talking about building a following. And so much of the of the messages out there is about building this huge following and getting millions of subscribers and all this other type of stuff. But Tim Ferriss said something, and I'm probably going to botch this up a little bit, but you can find it on his uh, podcast, on his blog. I think the actual title of the uh, podcast was How to Build a, uh, a Successful Podcast or Blog. I can't remember. But you can just look up podcast and blog and, and Tim Ferriss and you'll find it. But anyway, he, he was answering a question for somebody about... Uh, building relationships, building a following. And he said that his approach is different than what's mostly out there. Most of the wisdom, if you will, that's out there is, is really about going wide and shallow. He says, I go long and deep. And, I, you know, and, and to me, I think that's perfect because I resonate with that, right? Is this idea of trying to have millions and millions of followers, you know, well, if you never, you can't connect and really be friends with millions of people. But you can, you know, with 100, with 200. Isn't there, there's a study on this, and I just read it again this week. It's like 150 people that you can, act, and it's, that's the study. Oh, I don't cool. stand for somewhere we can find it. We'll put it in the show notes. It's out there. Yeah, it's 150, 150 people. That includes family members, right? There's it's, your productivity <laughs> yeah. right there. It's like yeah. 150 and say, well, you can really get, yeah, exactly. Select 150 people that meet a certain criteria that you really want to get to know. That's what Tim Ferriss was saying about this. He's talking about going to South by Southwest right before the four hour work week was going to launch. And he knew who he wanted to go speak to. And he went and he strategically built relationships. He said, some of these folks that I met there said are still friends of mine today. He spent time and energy investing in that relationship. So uh, he is one that I look at and said, this is a guy who, and he has got a massive, massive following, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and he's just done that very well. And I, and I haven't seen him veer from his, his core message and core focus of his business. Um, on the other side, too, who I think just does an amazing job of building community and has uh, a huge following, but it's a following where, you know, you just genuinely believe the guy is Brendan Burchard. I, I think he's great. Uh, you know, his, he just came out with this new book, High Performance Habits, which I have, and it's, it's awesome. Um, I've been to one of his events. I think he's, he's incredibly yeah, smart. You were there in San Diego, right? Yeah, yeah, I was. That was a big, pivotal moment for me back in 2017. That was um, a long time ago now. It seems like it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Time does go fast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so on that in that regard, uh, I would definitely say Brennan Burchard. You know, on um, some of these other things when it comes to, and Brennan's really good on productivity too. He's all about simplifying, having a system for simplifying. Um, I'm trying to think here. We covered productivity. We covered. Uh, well, and I, you followers. make a good point too when you're talking about the, when you talk about Tim Ferriss and really anybody and and, and going deep with it is is there was so much focused on the numbers, the right. likes. How many shares? Uh, all these different, like, how much did you bench? Yeah, working out's important, but truly, like, what is the importance of it? I told you a story about we had someone on our podcast, and after the podcast, he really enjoyed the conversation, and he just said, you know, I really want to talk to you guys more about helping me with my content marketing, and and I I, I was telling someone else this is far after, long after it, and said if nobody listened to that podcast, we had a great conversation. Mm -hmm. It led to genuine business of both of us wanting to work together. And, and that was it. So no one had to listen to it where you could have had 10,000 listeners, yeah. but that didn't matter. 
it wasn't about the number of people listening or the number of people liked it or downloaded it or any of that kind of stuff. It was just true engagement with one person, which goes back to what you talked about earlier. It's just having conversation right. and having the community, which is what a lot of these, you know, you talk about Facebook too, tying it all together. You know, Facebook's got their privacy issue pop up. But what Facebook also did early in the year is they tried to bring it more into community. Mm -hmm. And they said, if you're just going to post links out to your website, good luck getting seen on the Facebook algorithm. What yeah. they're saying is have conversations with real people, talk about real things. Don't just say cool pick or put emojis in there. It's actually real insightful ideas or whatever that is and not stirring up debate and politics and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, yeah, you know, and of course, and that and that's a good strategy as well because I mean, Facebook's Facebook's uh, values in their data. I mean, this is why the whole thing with Cambridge Analytica became a, you know, big controversy. But that's that's where they are so rich, you know. They're rich in data and you know, being able to profile. So of course they're going to want to drive more people to be sharing on the platform inside of communities because you have clusters. Now if you can cluster groups, right? Now this is we're kind of getting into the, see a big part of my training has been really, I've told people this, that my classmates in my graduate program either came from the intelligence agencies or they went back to them. So you learn about, you know, all this type of, you know, structure and strategy, but it's, if you can cluster different groups of people, then you can start to get even more targeted with your advertising. Because what is the best advertisement? Word of mouth, right? So if you tell me that I should check this out or I should buy it, you save me a ton of time because I trust you. And if I trust you, then I'm not gonna feel like I need to actually go out and uh, do all the research and all the hard work that maybe you did. So that is the fastest, most efficient form of advertising. So of course Facebook's gonna to wanna to put you more in this community and clusters, and it keeps you on the platform, which is, you know, keeps more eyeballs and everything. That's it. But I mean the same but what they're doing is they're applying a concept of human connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean their their means and modes are for business. Obviously, no. I don't, you know, that's fine. They're a business, do it. Right. But the principle is the same. And that's human connection interaction. We we draw closer to people that are similar to us because we want to have shared and like, you know, have have experiences, we have familiar backgrounds, whatever it might be. I mean, so yeah. Well, and that's what brings in, I believe, brings in business is you talking about riding a bike. Yeah. If I enjoy riding a bike, which I don't, right? But if I you did, should. we would have something in common. We, since we don't, we don't have anything why in common, but out? I don't even know why we hang out together. I don't either. So, so opposites can attract, right? And, and, <laughs> in, and you know what I mean. But, <laughs> but that's what it is. It's, it's, um, we talk to sports entrepreneurs. So when we talk to people that are love sports and want to talk about it, want to play sports, and then they get engaged with it and they want to talk about it, and oh, what else do you do? Mm -hmm. Or a photographer, I always say this one, if you live in the city of Charlotte and you uh, do photography of families, let's say, you could write a blog about the best things to do in the city of Charlotte for families, right? Mm -hmm. And the best places to travel to within a three hour striking distance of Charlotte. And you post that, that's the stuff that someone wants to read, right. and oh, by the way, this person takes pictures of your family and then you can hang it on your mantle and everything's great. And that's how they got business as opposed to come by, you know, my photography packages. Yeah. It's more you're going about it in a genuine way because you're creating the relationship first in a genuine way because they're truly just giving you something without asking anything in return. Right. Because a lot of people are just going to take that free content and use it and they'll never, you know, want to work with you for your, you know, photography. Yeah. Right. So th that's the basic one I like to talk about a lot just because I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people, a lot of businesses could do that. It doesn't mm -hmm. just have to be about the CPA, for example, writing about how to do your taxes. Yeah, that's good stuff and you should do that. And that's good for Google SEO because that stuff still matters. But what else is a CPA 
want to talk about. Maybe it's golf. Maybe it's, again, travel. Maybe it's something else to do with business, you know, and creating new streams of revenue. Sure. So you have more money to pay for your taxes, all that kind of stuff. So it's coming up with, there's so much though to deal with as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, like the time that I have to put into it. How do I even come up with the idea of what to write about? And then going from there and putting it all together. Man, you know, the key is, and this is, and so I say this for those listening, but I also say this to myself. I have to remind myself of this on a regular basis, right? If you're out there creating content, and we're talking about this, you know, that there's non-business, business, business, commerce is really just an extension of human relationship. It's trust, right? But the thing we have to remind ourselves on, you know, over and over again, when we get up before we write anything and before we really try to connect is, uh, cut the I mean, obviously, there are certain things that we don't even realize, you know, are bullshit, and we're, you know, so you know, you kind of discover them later on down the road. But what I'm talking about is like the blatant. I mean, I've had people try to sell me stuff, where they're trying to connect with me on whatnot. It's like, man, it's just seeping through. It's like you almost want to reach across the table and say, "Hey, man, it's all right, dude. You know, you don't have to. Don't work so hard. Right? right? It's just right. just be yourself. Right? Honestly, I mean, for me, it's I appreciate people that are just themselves, no matter goofy, nerdy, or you know, just a, a mess they are. I really respect it. And here's the other thing too. Go on to LinkedIn right now, and you're gonna see the highest, you know, the, the most traffic, likes, and views are gonna be a plain, simple post of people just bearing their soul. Now again, the problem is with that is that that's how it started, that's where a lot of the traffic was generated. Now people are realizing, oh, if I go and manufacture this, I'll get more likes, right? So it almost takes the power out of it. So it's this elusive, genuine connection that we are trying to create and make. And so what I would say for folks is this, and for myself too, is when you get up before you create anything, before you interact with anybody is just cut the be honest with yourself and recognize, hey, you know what? I don't have to go out here and be perfect. I need to go out here and genuinely be myself. And if my goal is to care for other people, is to do right by other people, then that in and of itself, people can see that and they can recognize that. And that's you know infinitely better than busting your butt to create some kind of manufactured connection. That's it. Tying it all together. Look at Just that, like you did it. Yeah. Well, I think that's good. What I want to do, though, is what we've been doing on our podcast is we call it the rapid fire round. We've done this before, but we're asking different questions now. So it's kind of like usually Ooh. one or the other. And you don't even know what these questions are. So we're going to go into that and we're going to say our goodbyes and we'll see you again in four months, I guess, right? No, no. no. I'm going to come hear. Come he's here. Jared's busy guy, but he's going to be back in the office. So you ready for this? I'm ready for this. All right. You walk into a, and this is one we've asked actually towards the end, but we're gonna do it at the beginning for you because we're okay. just talking about this. You walk into a restaurant, you have the option to sit at a table or sit at the bar, what do you choose? Am I by myself? You are, well, however, whoever you wanna be with, you create your own story. Whoa, 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 now if you're gonna ask you, me a tough question, a rapid fire, man, you gotta give me context no, to it. No, all right, you're walking in by yourself. Okay, you going to the bar. Okay, you walking with your family? Going to a table. Okay, there we go. Drinking beer, IPA or Pilsner? Oh, IPA. Do you drink wine? I do. Red or white? Red. What's your favorite city to travel to? Ooh, favorite city to travel to? Oxford, England. Oxford, England. Oh man, I lived there for six months, loved it. Loved I know it. that yeah. city inside and out, I worked in a bike shop. It's a far way to go. If you are going to Oxford, England, or going somewhere else and you're killing time, what's your favorite thing to do to kill time? To kill time? Ooh, man, so much of my travel is in the car, so I can't really kill time. You know, but uh, I do like to listen to podcasts, listen to um, to books. I really like people reading to me. Yeah, 
it's good. When you can't my read, kids read to me, but I that's go to right, sleep. Yeah. I don't read to them. <laughs> that's right. It's perfect. Do they really? Do you? They read you? <laughs> or you're reading to them, Dad, and they check over, and they, you fall you asleep. Read me a story. Yeah. yeah. No. All right. So you are the new futurist. If I were to take away you from being the new futurist and take you out of that career in, in general, what career would you be in? Well, let me clarify. I am not the new futurist. That's more of a, you know, that's, that's in development really. This is that you're a new futurist. I'm a new futurist. I mean, the whole focus is, you know, around that. So that's, you know, Okay, you're not a you futurist anymore. Yeah, I'm not a futurist anymore. Yep. You take that away. Yep. Uh, what would my, what was the question? What would your career be in? Ooh, I'd probably have to say um, uh, music. So playing and creating music. So definitely in the creative space or writing and creating and directing uh, movies, films. Okay. I want to stay there for a second because you just sure. brought up a topic, music. The music industry has changed. We were talking about this before we got on Spotify, streaming, mm-hmm. uh, the, making money in the music industry unless you're selling out you know, stadiums, it's pretty tough. Um, if you're a songwriter, if you're creating the music, what do you see for the music industry? <laughs> I know we not well, study it. I'm not saying you're an expert in the music industry, but it's a fascinating one, one we've talked about quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, the, the difficulty you're dealing with is that creative people, <laughs> unfortunately, creative people throughout history are terrible business people. Um, and, I, and I say that as a creative person, right? I mean, I'm not bearing my soul here, but, I, but I'm very aware of where my shortcomings are. Uh, but creative people, artists, actors, musicians, are also you don't have a flood of them that are, that are really savvy business people because they are uh, they're creating things that they're just creating without a financial incentive in many ways. And so that's why the term starving artist is why throughout history you've had uh, patrons. So where I see the music industry going, again, this is just a guess, but uh, you look at how uh, with the, uh, the advent of uh, Napster that that threw the music industry into a tailspin. But now you look at Spotify and these, these uh, streaming services, the, the majority owner of Spotify, these are your old record companies, they are back in it. They've just finally caught up and adapted to the business model. And so they're, you know, that's where they're making a lot of their money. But I would say that uh, because of the internet, because so many tools and programs like what we're recording on right here are available, and you know, that more and more really creative and awesome music is coming out. You're getting exposure to some amazing musicians and some amazing talent that you never would have seen before because it would have had to go, go through the gatekeeper of the music industry. So I really think that in many ways, I would hope and, and assume that this will happen, uh, is that the music industry, like many other industries, will become even more decentralized. But, but the, what, what's going to make that beneficial for the actual musicians is, and just like anybody in any industry, is that they have to think. They have to be conscious. Too many of us are waiting for other people to create our future, right? I mean, the fact that Spotify is owned by the record companies, right? So this whole, you know, liberation of musicians, well, that's bullshit. <laughs> now you're still getting, like, pennies on the dollar for being on Spotify. And it's a great service for the listener, but what does it do for the artist, right? So if you're serious about your business, if you're serious about... Uh, ensuring that you have long-term growth and you can continue to do what you're doing and make an impact and and all of that, you got to wake up. You got to question things that you've never questioned. You've got to be conscious. You've got to learn how to think for yourself. You got to learn how to think like a futurist. That's amazing because if you're creating your own category within the music world and you have to think differently yeah. and come up with some idea. We don't know what that answer is. Someone's going to do it. Someone's going to. Oh wow! I should have thought of that. Right. I could have done that. Right. <laughs> but maybe you couldn't have. 
that's, that's the right. Thing, right. That's right. Absolutely. You 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 know we can give advice all day long about hey anybody can do this, but that's not true. I had people come out and say, oh, you know, I'm thinking about starting a business. I say, think again. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm hardwired for right. this, and it's like yeah, I can't. You know, I'm oppositional to fine, right? So, yeah. but it's it's the I'm not technically. That's my wife says that I am, but I'm not. But I mean, that's you have to understand. Like, if you're going to take that risk, it's going to hurt. But man, it is a journey, and do it. If you're if you're serious about doing, jump in. Be awake. Fun. Be conscious. That's fun. Well, you talked about the gatekeeper, so we went off of our little. Uh, rapid no, fire there, but that's good. Hijacked, hijacked I, no, I, no, I asked you the question. Jeez. So gatekeepers, social media, right? That eliminated a lot of gatekeepers. The media, so social media, social media apps. What's your favorite social media app today? Could well, have been different yesterday. Could be something today. Tomorrow it could be something. Well, first of all, they didn't eliminate the gatekeepers. They just replaced them. That's They're it. the gatekeeper yep, now. You're right. So as change it, like that's what I'm saying. Because tomorrow you might like. Instagram today. I don't know if that's it, and then right. they might change their game as you on your on your way home. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I would say don't put all of your time and energy into social media. Use it as a platform, but you still want to make sure tool, you control right? or you have the ownership over your data. This mm -hmm. is going to be a big issue going forward, uh, and your ability to connect directly with the people that you want to interact with. So when it comes to the favorite social media platform, ah, what's the criteria to judge that? You know, I kind of look at them all from as tools. a business standpoint. We're looking. Ooh, from a business standpoint. That's tough, man, and um, because I'm really trying to figure that one out right now. I would have said uh, Facebook because of how how good their algorithms are, how much data you can actually extract and how you can get targeted. But from an actual connection and moving it forward, I've seen the most success on LinkedIn, and I think LinkedIn still has a ways to go. But I, I'm. I'm I'm putting my uh, I'm putting my chips in that in that basket, if you will. Is, okay. that, is that the right expression? Chips in a basket. The chips in a basket. Okay. I mean, chips in a basket. Well, I mean, think about it, because you can have like potato chips in a basket. You could, you could have poker chips. Or you could have poker basket. chips in a basket. That's right. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, there you go. That's you the go. one we we're looking for. That's right. new expression. Fish and chips in a basket. Just don't leave it there. Don't leave it there for a while, right? It'll smell good. All right. You already talked about this. I kind of know your answer, but maybe we'll qualify it a little bit more. If you had to read a blog, let's say the blog took you about 10 minutes to read versus a podcast that took you about 30 minutes to listen to, what would you rather do? Blog or podcast? Um, you know, that depends on who, it, who it's actually by, but most likely a podcast. Only because, I mean, I, you know, I really want to be intentional about the media that I'm taking in. Uh, and I'm not always good about that. Um, you know, and that's a that's a big part of this the Foresight Academy program in the beginning is we really focus on overwhelm and insight. And it's, you know, hey, look, how do we, you know, really put this into context and think about it? So, um, I would listen to a podcast. When you listen to a podcast, I have to know this. What speed do you listen to the podcast Regular at? Regular speed. Really? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the way I look at it is this, is if I'm just trying to quickly ingest information, well, part of me just feels like that's not really worth it. You know, if I'm going to listen to a podcast, I really want to listen to a person or people talking. I'm there for a story, right? Yeah. Or I'm there for some insight. So why would I want to speed that up? Oh, if I speed it up, maybe, you know, and again, everybody's this is, We have nothing in common. But nothing I get it. Yeah. You know, although you are trying to grow a beard, and I appreciate That's your effort. Right. But I mean, the way I look at it is this. If you're going to speed a podcast up, then you're really not, you know, you're, you're not... Uh, Okay, let me tell you that. I'm not. If I speed it there up, then I really don't. Now I'm you're telling me how to live my life. Yeah, That's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
know. I mean, I'm at two times speed. I'm not gonna lie. Hey, but, you know, and that I, may be because when I hear one time speed, I'm just like spit it out, and I say it to myself. Oh. I'm like, oh, I couldn't listen to myself at one time speed. I okay, sound so like I don't know what I'm talking about. In a situation like that, <laughs> yeah. where if I'm, you know, my wife was, and I don't listen. It's not like I'm driving down. My, what do you listen to myself? No. My wife likes this podcast, and I like him. I like him as a person. I think he's great. Uh, but it's a guy named Rob Bell. Um, I like him. Uh, I think he's great. But man, I would get on to my wife about this and say, oh my God, I cannot listen to him. He just meanders and meanders. I just want him to hurry up. You know, for That's me, what they're saying about us. Oh, but we're talking no, okay. at like two times speed though. Okay, so, yeah, good, good. <laughs> yeah, see if somebody speeds this up, I just know, that's why I talk fast, because I know if somebody speeds it up, it'll be, you can't understand a word I'm saying. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, you know, if I feel like somebody's just meandering and I'm, and they've lost my attention, I just turn it off. I don't speed it up. Yeah. See, for me, it's, it's kind of like, I, you know, I don't need to finish a bad movie to see how it turns out. You know the ending's going to be if the plot line is. Yeah. So I'm not really... I just want you to know that on Apple, we have the clean lyrics thing, and I think you've dropped like four S words. It's going to disappear, and I'm going to send you a letter about well, that. Well, you yeah, can yeah. bleep me out. Much like a car horn or some cool little sound No, thing. but I like the raw footage. It is what you just have a bad mouth, so it is well, all Well, you know, yeah. I don't even do this on my own podcast. So I just come here to try and, that's like, right. muddy up your water. Right. You know. One podcast at a time. Just take them out. So yeah. we're trying to help businesses one podcast at a time. You're just destroying them one. That's good. No way, man. That's I bet good. you business owners, people out there listening, are like, yeah, he said shit. Good for him. No, no, no number five. <laughs> Let's go for That's the great. Six. That's that's not. Yeah. Well, I heard Brendan Burchard say this at his uh, event. He goes, "I am unconscious of how many I leave on the stage because he does not. You know, he does. He, he he drops them, but he doesn't drop them all the time. Yeah. So, you know what? They, they can fit right. The right word can fit at the right time, and I don't overthink it. I just think it's funny that you're coming over here and trashing our podcast. Anyway, all right, I'm moving sure on from that. I think I know this one too, but I don't know if the audience does. Netflix or Hulu versus cable satellite. Is it an easy answer for you? Oh, shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's an easy answer for me. Netflix, man. Uh, I'm definitely with this. I don't have cable at home. Except what are the ca- all right? So let, I love this stuff because it just opens up all these opportunities. I have DirecTV, Netflix, I have Hulu. I, I don't watch a lot. It's kind of crazy. I'm like, I don't yeah, know why. I, I should probably DirecTV. get. Re- but you know what's interesting is DirecTV. When you record something, you can now download it. So you can download something that you just that was live on TV that would not be available on Netflix or Hulu mm-hmm. that you can then watch on your phone on your iPad and you don't have to be at home anymore. Damn you used to all be, I'm just saying. I'm gonna blow your mind. Right but now. is that something that no? Okay, it's not. Is that something you that can, could help them keep going? You can download from Netflix. I know you can. I'm talking about an event, so I, a sporting event. Let's just right. say you, this event's on eight o'clock at night. Yeah. Ends at ten o'clock. You, you probably download it during it. You can download that. And watch it on your device while not being at home. Where Netflix would not have that, would not have. Now I'll no, say this, different. but ESPN Watch and some of these other apps, they have you can rewatch it. So, but it's, what I'm saying is, what can Netflix or whatever this is, uh, other cable companies, Comcast, mm-hmm. do to keep up? I mean, they're doing just fine, right? But because they have AT and T and they have some other companies, well, they control that they the with them. I mean, they control. That's them. right. Yeah. That's right. How would they do it? Do they go out and buy Hulu? Does Time Warner or Com- whoever it is, Spectrum, go out and buy a Hulu? That's what they're trying to do. I mean, okay. you see right now, everybody's trying to create original content. I mean, they've seen the success of Netflix, of Amazon, Hulu. Yeah, I'd really kind of put Hulu in that third tier. You know? Well, Hulu's owned by, I think, Fox Media. I sh- we shouldn't talk about stuff we don't know. Yeah. But while you're talking, I'm just I can't <laughs> remember. We should look that up, right? <laughs> if we fact-checked everything we said on this <laughs> show, terrible. Uh, we'd never get through it. People would be trying to look for a 10 times speed. But yeah, you know, so I can't really speak to that. Now, when you brought up the whole thing about sports and a sporting event, I'm probably the worst uh, person 
for that uh, because, you know, I mean, the sports that I tend to watch are going to be cycling, which, you know, <laughs> I mean, I enjoy a good sporting event, but I'm not, oh, I need to watch the game tonight. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that's probably, you know, uh, alienated some of your listeners from ever wanting to hear anything out of my mouth. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the truth, right? So I can't really speak to that. Hulu's owned by a bunch of companies. I don't even understand it. Well, like Disney's Spotify. in there, right? Century Fox, which Disney just bought. Yeah. So it's part of Hulu. Disney's coming out with their own original content. They were taking all their shows, which yes. I know this off of um, Netflix. Mm-hmm. So if you want to watch Star Wars, you're not going to watch it on Netflix anymore. You're going to have to go watch it on Disney's right. acquiring that content. So Hulu's owned in that world. Man, this is every, you're, what you're seeing is the mergers, the acquisitions. I mean, you have these big conglomerates that are buying up more and more companies. I mean, that's the real power, right? So, uh, you know, Netflix is a powerhouse in themselves. They're not for sale. I mean, I, I think they have more cash, more power and influence than most of the other companies that are out there. However, uh, you've got, uh, you know, Disney, you've got, you know, we think about the cable providers, right? You've got Comcast, uh, Time Warner, AT&T. Was it Time Warner that was um, making a bid for AT&T? They bought Spectrum, but they merged with Spectrum. DirecTV and AT&T are together. DirecTV and AT&T yeah. are together now? Yeah. So you see what's happening, right? right? I mean, this is the... So what you're, what you're really looking at here is not about content. It's the control of content and the flow of information. Again, going back and saying this is why it's so important for us to be questioning narratives, questioning dominant ideas and stories, right? You know, bias, assumptions, these things aren't bad. It's inherent to who we are as people. But when we let those things blindly lead us down a road without ever questioning it, then we find ourselves in all kinds of situations that we never should have been in. So people have to recognize this first and foremost. Nothing is free, right? Tim Cook said this. We say, if, uh, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. That's a, that's a fact. That's this whole people being outraged about Facebook and Cambridge Analytica. Keep in mind, there was nothing illegal about anything they did. Nothing was illegally done at all. We freely give up our data, which makes these companies extremely rich. And then we get upset when that data is leveraged to sell us stuff or to target us for ads. That's a very ignorant understanding of how the world works. You have to recognize that everything you do, your data, everything you're putting out there, that is, that's the commodity. That is what is of most value. So when you have these big companies like Comcast or you know, Time Warner and AT&T and DirecTV, they're not, oh, we need to be able to you know, uh, make more money and sell more advertising. It's, no, no, no. They are holding and controlling the flow of information. Sinclair Broadcasting Group you know, is buying up all these local television uh, studios. You've been seeing that a lot lately and the controversy around that. They have an agenda, and they're also smart about looking and saying, if we get the local news, we get these smaller communities, clusters, we're talking about with Facebook, mm-hmm. then they know they can have a greater impact and influence. People need to wake up. People need to have their minds turned on and say, hmm, what about this uh, smells like That's it. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm going for 10. Okay. Okay. I can can see that. (laughs) Well, I'm thinking here, who's next? Like, who's next to create the... Like, you got a Spotify who's Mm -hmm. raising money. Spotify can easily start creating original content. They've already put themselves in video. We talked about the podcast. This podcast is on Spotify now. I think that's really cool. I'm excited about it. Think of how much content is going on Spotify. Look at what is their next move? What is all these companies' next moves? I mean, it's it's something else to behold. You talked about sports. This is the last question. I know you're not a sports fan per se, but you're involved in the sports world. You appreciate it. So we're not going to ask you the question, the, the typical question. So more of this one. 
experiences. I know you enjoy experiences. If you could experience one sporting event anywhere, I don't care what it is, what sporting event would you want to experience live? As a participant or a spectator? As, well, you're not going to participate, so as a spectator. I know, <laughs> yes. Curling, no. Yeah. Oh, man, that I could... Mini hoops, right? We did the mini oh, hoop game okay. earlier. So that could be it. So any one sporting event that I could experience live, the Paris-Roubaix. It's one of the most grueling cycling races in Europe. I mean, it's legendary. I would love to be a... I'd love to watch that. Of course, you know, they go right by. You'd have to then jump so ahead. just try to say how long do you get to... But there's probably a lot going on. Oh, of course. Drinking a lot of beers and a lot of, you know, different things going on oh, while you're there. Red wine. Yeah. Tying it wine. all together. Peyote. No. That's okay. <laughs> no, I don't. You don't know. No, I don't know. I That's think right. that would be an awesome so we, thing. So this, the podcast is called Talking About Things We Don't Know About. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's our new show. That's our show. Things we don't know about. Things we don't know. But we pretend we do. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Well, Jared, I appreciate you being another guest. Another, what do you call it? A repeat. A repeat guest. repeat guest. Not another you. guest because... You know, unless you are a futurist and you've um, cloned yourself, that would be I'm working on that's that. something we can talk about. You can talk about that because I don't know anything about that. But we appreciate it. A lot of stuff talking about the stories, the new futurist, knowing 150 people. So you really got to watch yeah. out who you who you associate with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm going to have to do now. Yeah, seriously. Think about our friendship. You know that kind of stuff. Do I make the cut? That's right. That's it. <laughs> That's people not, are going to publish their 150 people. That's not, that's, but that's, that's not a bad idea, yeah. right? I mean, if you were to say, if my goal here for social media and connection is to build deep relationships with 150 people out of my current social network, man, that right there would be one hell of a challenge would be and good. awesome. Yeah. I, you know what? I think we may have stumbled onto something here. Yeah. So you're going to have to erase this because we don't want everybody else to do it right now. That's it. <laughs> Wasn't there the Seinfeld episode where they picked their uh, favorite, like who made their top 10 list? Remember this episode? <laughs> and they get moved around a little bit, and it changed relationships. Like they just fell out. I can't remember what it was. Like the old system, the old phone system. So I can't remember it. I'm gonna have to pull that one up. It's yes. on. You can watch Seinfeld. It's on Hulu, actually. Uh, which is owned by Disney, Hulu. owned by 21st Century Fox. Well, anyway, right. Jared, that's enough. You, it's time for you to leave. It is time for me. Yes, yeah. we appreciate it. And I enjoy we'll, this, uh, man. We'll talk soon. Definitely. Jared, it was absolutely awesome having you on this podcast. The perspectives on creating genuine content and simplifying productivity and our perspectives you as a business owner and entrepreneur can use for yourself. And for that, Jared, thank you. All right, everybody, that is it for today's show. Again, thank you so much for being here. And if you have not subscribed, make sure you do that before you uh, turn this episode off. And then also visit us at thenewfuturist.com where you can find out more about our work, uh, a lot of the free resources that we have. And of course, if you want to take your strategic thinking, your decision-making, or increase that skill set uh, to drive real innovation and create the future, then you'll definitely want to check out the Foresight Academy. And you can find that on our website at thenewfuturist.com under courses, but you can also find that at theforesightacademy.com. Again, that's theforesightacademy.com. And this is something we're doing in partnership with the University of Tennessee, where uh, folks that go through this program and they complete it are uh, issued a certificate in strategic foresight from the Haslam College of Business at the University of Tennessee. So again, Check us out at thenewfuturist.com, but also if you're interested in uh, in the Foresight Academy and getting your certificate in strategic foresight, then definitely check us out at theforesightacademy.com. As always, uh, feel free to reach out to us directly. Let us know what you think. If you've got some ideas or comments or things that you want to see us uh, or hear us talk about, we want to hear from you. We want to know. So make sure that you comment on the blog and uh, and leave us a note. All right. Thanks again, everybody. See you soon.